How can we as creative educators and entrepreneurs find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by and share our vision all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced. Hey, hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle podcast. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for taking a chance on me. I'm a fifth grade teacher, toddler mom and serial entrepreneur. I'm answering all your burning questions and bringing you simple business tips, mindset shifts and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We are going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. You all are going to love today's guest. Rebecca from Bit of Mom Sense is a blogger. She's been blogging since 2009. She also helps small businesses in her local area and online to create content and to make sure that their content is authentic and helps them meet their goals. She's an expert in all things content. She's also a mom and she's very down to earth and that's what I love about her. We totally geek out over creating content uh, that's real and authentic to you and finding your voice online in this episode. You are going to love hearing her four C's all about content and her strategy and just how real she is around. She gives some great advice around kind of giving yourself some grace when it comes to feeling like you need to create content all the time. And she helps us understand that there are times where we are going to create content that's really focused on our business goals and times where we're going to need to realign and find our why again. I hope you find our conversation really helpful. I think you will. I think you're going to get off of the podcast like I did and start making lists and notes and start to realign already with the content you're creating. So enjoy the episode. All right. I am incredibly excited to bring you all this episode, which is featuring Rebecca from Bit of Mom Sense. She has, I'm selfishly wanting to keep this whole episode for myself, to be honest. All the questions are, you know, written from me because I want her advice all for myself, but I'm excited to be sharing it with you all. Uh, We kind of had the same start kind of similar starting because we both worked with local businesses in the beginning. And then Rebecca and I met through a membership that we are in together that we love. And so can you tell us, Rebecca, a little bit about what you do, how you help business owners and kind of how you got started? Talk a little bit about the local businesses because you know I love that stuff too. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here too. Um, so I started as a parenting blogger 10 years ago on a little bit of mom sense. I had just had my second baby and so I had a toddler and a newborn and I wanted a space that was my own. So I started writing uh, very simple stories and kind of info and a lot of the local stuff, things to do with the kids or shopping haunts that I was finding. Um, and then over time that kind of grew into something. It was a time when marketers were recognizing parenting bloggers and there was you know some budgets happening and these conversations about growth so the blog turned into a business and along the way other businesses who needed help with social media and blog writing and content would say you know can you help us and I remember the first gig was with a local business and they said you know we need some social media help and I said great but 
I'm available between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. at night because that's when my kids were for sure asleep and they were still little. And during the day we were doing, you know, all the museum visits and fun stuff. And I would write the blog during nap time. So I had very few hours, minutes in the day. And they were super supportive and they were like, yeah, we need that. So let's do it. And then it ended up being, we carved the time differently. My husband was on parental leave. So I, I found more time and it kind of grew from there. And then eventually I found a really great passion working with businesses, online entrepreneurs and other bloggers to help them focus on their content, to create and curate better content that reaches their goals, that has some intention, that positions them and their brand in a different, more um, clear way that, you know, ties then to financial goals and their own, um, you know, wants and desires for their growth of their business. So that's what I've been focusing on the past couple of years. That sounds so similar to my story that (laughs) it just warms my heart because that is kind of how I got started as well and teacher by nap time. And I was also helping small businesses, local businesses by nap time, and they were super flexible and so nice about it. And I like how you said tying the content to the business goals is really the important part there because Oftentimes, I think when we create content, we're just, we're feeling all over the board and we're not sure that what we're creating is actually moving our business forward. And we'll talk some more about that today. But before we get into it, can we start at the very basic level and just kind of define for everybody exactly what is content? What does that mean? And how can we start to create content just at the very basic level? Let's say somebody, a lot of my listeners are creating digital products, mm-hmm. So then what is content? So content for me is, is basically anything that you're putting out there into the world, the, the written piece or the imagery, the brand image, the uh, branding itself, but content comes down back to what are you sharing and what story is out there. And so I started using content so much more than the word social media when I was marketing myself because I'm a blogger at heart. So I have long form writing, I freelance write. So that's kind of, you know, I, I have a, world there that I'm quite comfortable with. But then there'd be this micro content, which was social media. And certainly in the early days of Twitter, when it was still 140 characters, that micro content could be still just as valuable as a 3000 word blog post, depending on what the goal was or the intention behind the content was. So our Canva images or our templates, our social media posts in various form, our videos, our podcasts, our written words, all become content and then how we use it and what story we're telling about our business is kind of what we need to start thinking about when we're looking at it. And being intentional around that storytelling as well. Yeah, I use that word a lot because I think we forget sometimes we're we're feeling pressured and overwhelmed with social media. Take your pick of which platform, you know, you're using now or which eight platforms you might be using. And the intention behind it then ties back to the goal setting and, and our growth in terms of, you know, wanting to move our business ahead or position ourselves or become experts and thought leaders because Otherwise, what we end up doing, and and we see this often, is you say, okay, well, I have to be on Instagram, or I have to be doing video, 
and I've been guilty of all of this. And then you just put something out there for the sake of it. And you're not really sure why. And it often comes back to our why in so many ways, right? That question comes up in every coaching session and conversation you have. But when it comes to your content, the why still needs to be there. Why are you making that or posting that or sharing it? I feel like not understanding the why, not having a good handle on the why, this has got to be the number one reason for overwhelm. If you don't know why you're posting something, you're just doing it to show up and be consistent, then all of a sudden you're completely overwhelmed because it doesn't feel like it's connecting. It doesn't feel like it's moving your business forward. It's likely not moving your business forward. You're not seeing the results. You're not sure where to look for the results. So that why is a major factor in all of this. Some of my listeners, when I talk a lot about being a thought leader as well, like positioning yourself as a thought leader. And I struggled with this in the beginning too. How do we know when we are a thought leader? How do we qualify as a thought leader? When can we start putting out content as a thought leader? It's a good question, but I think anytime we have a position on something, we become a thought leader. We have a value to share that voice. And frankly, sometimes, depending on our industry, we have a responsibility to share it because we bring something new and different to the table. And we tend to get caught up in that feeling of, well, it's already been said or someone else has already talked about it. But the way we think about things or approach things will be very different. Even, you know, the way you approach your podcasting will be different from every other podcaster out there. The questions you ask or the stories you tell, it will be different. And so that inherently has value. Uh, so I think sometimes we have to, you know, remember that to be a thought leader, that's really what we are doing in our business. And so to own that and be proud of that, and then really take the time to, you know, consciously share your thoughts and ideas and further the conversation is absolutely valuable. Yes. And as teachers, I think it's important that we take our ideas and the things we're experiencing and having success within the classroom and we move it beyond the four walls of our classroom. You know, for years before we had kind of this connection through social media, we we were finding success in our own classrooms and maybe we'd share it with the teacher next door, but now we have the opportunity to share it with classrooms around the world and impact kids in such a greater way that like you said, you have almost a responsibility to do it and to just move forward, even though you might be a little scared or you might feel nervous and all the things we tell ourselves about competition and other people are already saying this and, you know, who am I to say anything about this? What do I know? I don't, I'm not really qualified or what, what puts me in the position to say this, but you're saying you've got to just do it. Absolutely. And the best way that I try to, to think about this, even when I'm recording a video or when I'm putting something out there is, you know, if I'm having coffee with somebody who asked me this question, or if I'm sitting with someone, a fellow business owner or a fellow blogger, and you know, they're not sure how to approach or they're wondering about this topic, whatever that core topic is, how would I answer them? And if I think about that one person that I'm just, you know, having that conversation with, it makes so much more sense because if I can impact that one person, forget the five, 50, 100, however many, you know, your business ultimately will impact. But if I can help that one person and they take something away from it through the video or the, or reading the post, that makes a difference to me. And so I think when you think about it in that simplistic terms, 
Well, suddenly, of course, you would share that. If I'm having coffee with you and you say, you know, tell me a bit about this method that you're using in the in the classroom, or in my case, you know, tell me more about why you're doing that on Instagram in that way. I'll easily give you an explanation for it. So we're overthinking it, I think, a lot of the times. And the overwhelming feeling that we get from content often is we feel we don't have enough time. And the other part is we don't know why we're sharing or what to share. And we're overthinking it. Yes, we're thinking if I'm going to put it online, if I'm going to make it a blog post or a social media post, then I need to be an expert. But like you said, if I'm having coffee with another teacher who just needs the advice, I, I don't hesitate to give it. So why do we hesitate when it comes to this online platform? Great advice and advice that I needed when I started out <laughs> at first too. And I did the same thing. I, I thought about this one teacher I work with who was really, she was just starting out selling her digital products and she was coming to down to my room and asking me, you know, what should I do? Should I start a blog? Should I, should I be posting on Instagram? And I just wanted to help her and I knew I could help more people. So I just continued thinking of, I would think about her anytime I would start to get nervous or think, I don't know who am I to say this? Who's going to want to listen to me? I would think, well, she's going to listen to me. You know, she needs this. So I'll keep going. And that's great. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the teachers that I work with also, and including myself, we are doing this as a side hustle. We are working full time, a lot of us moms as well, and this is our side business. So kind of the biggest struggle I hear when it comes to content is just how do we find the time to be consistent, to show up consistently for our audience? And I love consistency with content. It's one of the four cornerstones of content that I, I share with clients and that I talk about a lot always consistency and I get it because that feeling of you know when will I do this is really stressful at times and I understand I I mean complete credit to everyone who has the full-time job and the side hustle on top of it um, I was at home with the kids and it's still as I was growing my business there were days where I'm thinking oh this isn't getting done ever um, so the first thing I would say is we need to prioritize and that's where that intention is again. So which areas are going to best and most impact my business? You know, so maybe Instagram is a great spot and that's where your clients are, the people who are more likely to connect with you or want to make a connection or, or and eventually buy from you um, or Facebook and maybe Pinterest is or, you know, but, if you're in a spot that isn't really getting reach or where your audience isn't, don't put all of your time there. I think that's why I stopped doing YouTube videos consistently. It just wasn't where my audience was. I was not a vlogger, which, you know, has a whole other world to it. And so the, the inconsistent YouTube videos I was doing was not really reaching the people who are either reading my blog or wanted to just chat on Twitter at the time right. or DMs and Instagram now. So I really had to shift where I was prioritizing. So start with that kind of priority. Where are your people? Where are you getting the most interaction? And frankly, where are you getting the most sales from? And so knowing your numbers, I know all these numbers and stats and stuff like that I look at and that's part of that goal setting. Um, but when I know those, I can make better decisions. So I know where most of my leads came from this year. It's one reason why I upped certain activities and reduced others. Um, and so that priority helps. The other thing I will say is to give yourself a break. It's okay sometimes. And, and I give you permission to kind of let some of that go sometimes. 
And it feels strange to say because consistency and everyone will tell you, you got to post and, you know, within 24 hours and then spend 20 minutes on the app and the algorithm. Eh. Sometimes we have to step back and give ourselves permission to just slow down, regroup, spend time working on the business, finding those priorities and the messaging and the goals that will best serve us and then go back to it. And I think too, it comes back to if you know your why, if you know why you're sharing something or what type of content or what messaging you have, I think then when you sit down to make a plan for your content, it's so much easier. When you know you say, I need to reach these people with this message and these keywords to share that you know expertise, then you're able to craft much differently. I think I can feel when I'm getting away from the why, when I've gone too far away from it, that I'm starting to feel that overwhelm and I'm starting to feel like it's not intentional and then I need to realign. And that's when it's okay. You're saying to take a little break, give yourself that grace, kind of get realigned with everything that is that you want to set as your goals and why you're creating the content you're creating so that everything is more purposeful because if it's not, then then that's where you're getting lost. It's so stressful otherwise. And it's unfair to us because we put so much pressure on ourselves as entrepreneurs already that, you know, to, to not give ourselves those moments to say, you know what, this just didn't work out well this week. This just wasn't going anywhere. I didn't get the post done. I thought I'd do that. Didn't land the way I thought it would land. What do I need to do now? What about creating content in a way that allows us to kind of recycle so that we can hit more platforms with less actual work on our part. Do you have any suggestions for how we can do that? As we're, we're all, we're doing a planathon right now. So we're trying to get ready for 2020 and trying to kind of reevaluate, kind of get back to our why and get a str real strategy around creating content. So what are your tips for kind of recycling content to save us some time? So as somebody who's been blogging for 10 years, I absolutely have a vault of content, you know, all over my blog that I repurpose constantly. So reusing and repurposing content is crucial, I think, for every content strategy because we shouldn't just be creating content all the time. We have to amplify it. And so spending time creating purposeful, intentional content, then that we can reuse multiple times and reshare it or you know, repurpose it makes much more sense than creating new, 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 new. Yes. Uh, so I would say start with your highest performing content pieces already as you go into the new year. So you can look at 2019 and say, what did really well? What hit the right note? What really connected? What converted the way I wanted it to? And maybe it was a freebie or maybe it was a certain video or a certain type of post you can look at your Google Analytics and see what drove your traffic. You can look at your social media analytics and see what really resonated with your audience. Um, and you can look at your sales numbers and see, okay, what are those trends that really peaked along the way that you know, resulted in um, dollars? Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you can then go back and the new content you create will tie, could tie back into that or you can take that content that's already been doing well and then pull it out into something new. One of the things I think we see too often is if you create a new blog post or you have a podcast or you have a video, you share it. You might share it across all platforms within the week, let's say. 
and then you never hear from it again versus, and you know only a certain number of people have seen that. Right. So reuse that in some way. I've been uh, spending 2019 using IGTV. It was a platform that came out last summer. It um, kind of like started off really well and then flopped. It just didn't go anywhere. Instagram didn't do much with it. I stopped using it. It wasn't exciting. So this year I went in and thought, well, IGTV is short videos. I need to have some video interaction or some audio interaction because I can much more clearly explain and connect with people. And I, I like that on top of, you know, writing things, um, which I'm always at heart a writer. So I went into the year and said, okay, let's do more video, but I won't go back to YouTube. And when I was doing Facebook lives, I found them hard because I would either overproduce them or I had to be more done up or I felt like in my head, I was constantly fighting with, okay, say the right thing, say the right thing. I'm live. <laughs> so IGTV for me was great because it was short. It, uh, I could edit if need be, although I do all mine in one take now and it felt personal. It felt very, you know, let's have a quick chat. So when I started using those this year, they would get posted on Instagram, obviously, and then I would typically reshare them in stories. And then I'd be able to take snippets from the video and make them into future posts with a different image. I'm sharing them now and some of them you know, are older, but I'm repurposing them on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to then build um, newsletter content from it. So just those topics, and then based on the responses I got, maybe the questions or the conversations, I'm able to do more with it. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Totally, and I have it on my list to ask you about those IGTV videos because I love the way that you do it casually. I feel like that really, it develops the relationships and it makes it seem so much easier to use. So I definitely wanna get back to that. But before I forget, I wanted to say that I like the idea of amplifying your content because we're constantly, I'm constantly feeling like I have to come up with something new. But like you said, lots of the ideas I've already put out there have really resonated. So why not go back and sort of, you said, pull it into something new, maybe a question that you got about it or a topic that came up as a result of it can also spark something new. So going back and seeing what resonated as a place to start, that's a great point. So let's pretend you have a blog post mm -hmm. and you've pushed that out and you feel like they've seen it. I've done Facebook. I've pushed it on Instagram, whatever. But then the next time you share that, you could take a quote from the blog post and a quote then becomes an Im image on Instagram or a certain section then becomes a video that you talk more to. You've read the blog post. I'm going to take this one piece that people seem to really connect with and further expand it in a video. Yes. And so those are the kind of thinkings that we want to do because we want to get it out there. It might be sharing that blog post with other people that we can collaborate with and say, I think your readers are going to really like this. I just wanted to let you know about it. And you know, that, that collaboration piece as well. Um, Cause we need to get it out there. We want people to see it. And it is really frustrating when we write something and we think this is going to be amazing because it's awesome. And it just crickets. Right. Uh -huh. And it feels like, well, I guess I'll start it again. I'll pick something new, but instead of taking that thing that we really think there's something there and flushing it out differently. So piecing it apart and pushing it in different places 
um, I think there's there's ways of doing that. And I like the collaboration piece too. I think that can be intimidating and it can feel really scary to send somebody your blog post. It can feel kind of pushy. I've suggested to a lot of my crew members to pitch themselves for podcasts and they're like, no way, I'm not doing that. But collaboration is key. That's what's going to help amplify all of our content. And, and lots of times it's wonderful content. We just don't have the means yet. We're just building our business. We don't have that reach yet and we can lean on each other to amplify that reach, which is incredibly important, but we have to be willing to put ourselves out there. We have to know that our content is good enough to be heard. Do you have any tips around that, around, you know, feeling okay about asking for that collaboration piece? Yeah, I think it kind of comes down to it. And I've certainly built a lot of my business on, you know, being able to ask or collaborate. Going back to the local um, when I work with clients, it's funny because I spend so much time talking about online digital content, social media and blogs and newsletters and that kind of thing. But almost all of my one-on-ones that I do have some sort of element of conversation about offline. Yeah. The importance of networking to me, the importance of showing up where your colleagues are and where your clients are, the importance of reaching out to media like local media has always been a really great reach for me. It's so important to get offline too, to grow online. And so it's this counter thing for some people because they, you know, they think, well, how do I do it behind my computer more? And sometimes it really, for me, it's been the offline stuff that has then bumped me to that next viewership level or that next, you know, at least from the expertise, thought leader positioning that helps. That's interesting because from our perspective, from the teacher world, what that means, what that says to me is that we need to be taking on PD professional development opportunities where we are maybe training other teachers and connecting that way. Uh, one of one of the members of the crew is out right now, actually tomorrow morning, she's got a big presentation in front of, I think over a hundred other teachers and she's going to, she's got a whole plan to get them on her email list. And it's absolutely going to grow her list because they've met her. They've quickly developed that relationship with her. She joked that she hopes her charming personality will get them on her email list and it will because they will have had that chance to have that face-to-face and we yeah we underestimate how important that can be as well which is all terrifying (laughs) it is it really is and the funny thing too is when we take ourselves offline suddenly we get content ideas for online because the in-person conversations that you have or the you know questions that happen at workshops and events like that well, then you're going, okay, I didn't think of it like that. Here's what I would tell my readers or my clients or the people buying my product. Um, so you're able to kind of reverse engineer it too. Yes. And I know that those conversations are so valuable, but I think some of us hesitate to even talk about our businesses in real life. You know, it's like we have this hidden, I do the same thing. I've got this podcast, but sometimes if, you know, one of my colleagues will say something to another colleague, like, did you know Alyssa has a podcast? And I'm like, oh, please don't tell them. You know, it's (laughs) like, we're scared to even share that we have this whole online world, but that can really result in some interesting conversation that sparks ideas for our content that we wouldn't otherwise have. So I really like the idea of taking that offline. Well, and I have to say, I completely relate because the first time a parent in my school community, because I never talked about work, I was, you know, stay at home mom. That's what I did. I'd show up and pick up. And someone was like, 
I think I saw you in a magazine. Like it was a local magazine did a profile on me. And I said, yeah, yeah, that was me. <laughs> and it was so weird to me or if they saw me on TV because for so long I, I didn't talk about it personally in that way, which yeah. is ridiculous. Cause like the parents that go to my kid's school, they were totally my audience. I was a parent blogger and I had right. ideas for your weekend events. So it, it's that, you know, that mindset sometimes that we have to get over our own concerns or thoughts or what will they think and that kind of thing. And it's hard though. I completely empathize with that. A lot of it is mindset. And we were talking earlier about when to know if you're a thought leader and how to put yourself out there, even though you're scared. What about perfectionism? What about feeling like, okay, I want to put out this piece of content, but it's not quite good enough. I need to add some more graphics. And I know I'm supposed to check SEO. And how do we overcome that feeling? Like everything has to be perfect to be put out into the world. Uh, I use perfectionism as an excuse. And I know that and it's something that I need to stop doing because I'm not a perfectionist, really. I'm happy to share stuff. I want things out. I am confident when I have you know, work done, there it goes. But yet when it comes to my own stuff, there are times where I think, well, it's not quite ready, so I will wait. And I, I use it as an excuse, flat out. So there's always the expression done is better than perfect or, you know, progress over perfection, that kind of thing. Absolutely. I think sometimes the biggest differentiator for me and people I see, you know, in my, my world and, you know, advancing, it's the action takers, the doers. So that's what will put us apart. So being able to be the one to kind of, you don't see into the dark, but you step into the dark, mm -hmm. it can be really frightening absolutely but yet when we get to the other side and we see that there's light it just you know it's dark in that one section it's it's nice and it's rewarding typically um so i think sometimes we just have to say you know what this is what i'm doing i give myself a lot of fake deadlines so <laughs> if i give myself a deadline because i hate missing deadlines for whatever reason i may not be a perfectionist but i really hate missing deadlines so i will tell myself you know what you're launching this or this has to be done by this date and just do it. Okay, I'm gonna get it done. And maybe I hit it, maybe I don't, depending on you know life and, and things and tech always is my issue. Um, but at least by giving myself that I'm working hard towards something. Right. It's on the calendar. Yeah. And when it comes to content, it will never be perfect because there will always be some edit or with a video, you know, the text just doesn't float exactly where I want or something. So content I find it easier to get out there it's uh you know it's what my wheelhouse is where I want to be and and I have to get it out there because if I didn't no one would know about me or no one would know what I'm saying or what I'm trying to do and again going back to that positioning it's so valuable mm -hmm. and the difference between you and everybody else that's already been there is just that they went ahead and did it when they were scared anyway and that's yes often <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I love about your IGTV videos is that they're not perfect. I was saying this a little bit earlier, but I always feel like those videos have to be polished. I struggle with polished video. It's just not me. There's always some kind of a toy in the background. There's always something on my shirt. It's just my hair never quite looks right. I don't feel like doing my hair, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I 
I tend to shy away from video because I feel like it has to be just so. And I struggled with this on my last launch. I told my listeners about this too. Uh, I had, I wanted to do a video series, but I felt the video series needed to look professional. And I cannot tell you how many hours I wasted trying to edit and you know, put the camera up and be in the right angle on the camera and have everything look just so and, you know, read from a teleprompter. And finally, I was like, okay, forget this. This is not me. What am I doing? I put the professional camera away. I took out my webcam and I just talked to the computer and it turned out just fine. So that's what I like about your IGTV videos. It's just you holding the camera, no filter. You didn't necessarily like get all dressed up. You, how do you plan for those? How do you know, you know, what you're going to talk about and how do you keep it on that level of like, this is just a casual conversation between you and I. I absolutely go back to that concept of I'm having coffee with you. So Mm -hmm. I'm having coffee with that one person that I'm hanging with. And um, yeah, it's funny because I have apps that I can edit video on um, that are really great. Uh, There's one called InShot if anyone is needing an app and it does vertical video, which is nice. And so I can add a photo and often I've done that if I have to add like an end trail or if I want to put like a website or something Mm -hmm. or content. But otherwise, and I could in that put a filter on the video and I never do. Like I probably should filter some of these, it's, you know, gross outside and there's no good light. But that is one thing I like about these videos is that it is just me having that cup of coffee saying, you know, let's chat about this topic because I want to demystify some of this content conversation. I really want people to think about content differently, to think about how they're creating and how they're sharing content and social media pieces differently without the pressure of, the perfection, the beauty, you know, in the grid, the perfectly poised blog and or prose. And because we sometimes just need to share what we have and there's value in whatever the package looks like. So I want people to think differently. So me having a very casual conversation on IGTV, I hope brings people to that kind of level of it doesn't need to be overthought because I hundred percent was overthinking YouTube videos. I absolutely was overthinking Facebook lives and I knew it wasn't working for me. I was much stiffer. I wasn't communicating easily. It just clearly was not my area of comfort. One of the things I recommend for anyone listening who wants to do more video, I really love Instagram stories. And the reason is because they're so quick and they're an easy way to get comfortable because when you watch yourself and listen to yourself speak over and over again, an editing video, you listen and you you hear yourself, it's brutal by the end, you're done. I I don't wanna hear my voice anymore, over it. Instagram stories at 15 seconds, I can delete the video if I really flub it the first time, but otherwise it's super casual. It doesn't last more than 24 hours. There have been times where I've had you know, my bathrobe on or something. And I just, it's like just really close up of my face because I clearly just got out of bed. (laughs) And it's just that feeling of, you know, personality comfort. But when they first came out, I used them almost as training. And then I started using them more to kind of have a bit more of that elevator pitch. You know, here's what I'm doing and here's who I am. And then the IGTV, and if you go back to my early ones, it's all over the map and I'm, I'm getting more concise in how I'm sharing my information because it's a comfort thing. 
Right. And so anyone wondering, you know, I'd like to do it and I need to do it. My audience wants video. Start with those stories and kind of develop that comfort level with yourself and putting it out there and then move to a bit longer format. Do you have a plan for exactly what you're going to talk about in each video that's mapped out or do you just kind of go with what your audience is asking for? How do you know what you'll talk about in each IGTV video you post? Usually because I was doing them uh, weekly, um, there's usually a trend that comes up. Either a conversation is happening frequently on the undercurrent in the marketing world, or I'm seeing it with bloggers and small business owners coming up, or someone's DM'd me and I've had a conversation that's carried over, or I had a one-on-one -on -one client session and you know, often what I'm sharing has come up frequently at some point. Um, and this is where you can use your existing content to see what's hitting the right notes. What are people responding to? So if you had a blog post or a freebie that did really well, or you can tell that people want more about that. Um, so I often turn to the DMs or conversations. Sometimes I see conversations happening on someone else's post on Facebook or in a Facebook group or on Instagram. And I think I, again, going back to that thought leadership, I have something to say about that. Yeah. It's going to go here. So I usually keep a little running tally of ideas. Um, and then I don't uh, write out what I'm going to say, but I do have the points I'm going to hit because I don't like video that just runs on and I don't think anyone wants to hear me just run on about it. So I have, you know, certain things that I want to hit. And usually I try to send people away with an action. Yeah. So go update this or look at this or research this because I really feel again, that action is going to set them apart. Right. So you have an outline, you have a topic because you listen to your audience. That's where you're getting your topics. You kind of have that running list to pull from. You could also recycle some of the content you had already created. Just take a piece of that and create a video from it. Then at the end of your outline, you have that call to action and you keep it, would you say like 10 minutes? It has to be under 10 minutes for my upload on IGTV. I am not given any longer than that. Um, I don't think, I think most accounts are, are under 10. Some of the bigger accounts have longer. I do not. So yeah, all of them are under 10 minutes. <laughs> you try to keep them any shorter or do you kind of stick with that? They end up falling between seven and 10, yep. no matter what. Yeah, I think it's just the nature of the topic. It's a snippet of content in a way that your audience can digest that connects you face to face a little bit more and it can be casual. It doesn't need to be all, you know, done up fancy, beautiful background. <laughs> no, no, no. It's that positioning piece. Again, I want you to trust me. I want you to know that these are topics that I can help you with. And so I make the videos. Um, there's a journey with content right, that we want people to go on. So when I'm sharing on Instagram or Facebook or on LinkedIn, or if I'm making IGTV videos, there's a journey that I want you to go on. And typically that journey, and this year, because I intentionally made a point of doing this on Instagram in particular, I want that journey to be eventually, I want you to message me and say, well, how do I work with you? Right. So for us teachers, we it would benefit us to have this overall plan of a lot of the, a lot of the teachers that listen are selling these smaller digital products, but I always encourage them to bundle them or create a product line around the same kind of a theme so that when they're creating content, they're 
teaching around that product. And so the ultimate goal is to, to empower teachers to say, you know what, I'm going to try this, or this is what I need next. And so it would benefit us then to have kind of an overall structure to our content plan. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and I like content plans to have some uh, flexibility to them. I like to be proactive with what you're planning. And that's that journey. I know there are certain types of content I want you to hit on and notes that I want to hit on because I want you to understand that I know social media and that I know content and that I can write and that kind of thing. But then at the same time, the flexibility to be reactive to trends and to what people are asking for and the pain points that suddenly arise that maybe no one knew was going to be an issue. Right. Um, that's where you want that flexibility. The other thing is we're human. So you want your accounts and your content to have some human element. You're writing for people and people buy from people. So the content journey that probably a lot of your listeners would take their readers on and their potential clients on is that, you know, expertise and that helpfulness you're serving constantly, but then you want them to go on a journey where they're saying, what do you have that can keep helping me? You know, and that's where the products come in or what, what can I do next? And what you've just identified these issues that I'm, I'm having because you've been talking about, you know, all of these pieces along the way and methodologies or, you know, the, the uh, tips. And now I know that, yeah, that's me. How do I get to the next step? And that's where your products will come in. And, and that can give you ideas for product creation as well, because you want to keep being able to help them solve that problem that you've been talking to them about in your content. Can you tell us a little bit about those four cornerstones of content you mentioned earlier so that we can kind of get a handle on that? Yeah. So the, I call them the four C's, um, but my cornerstones are uh, collaboration, consistency, complementary content. So stuff that may not be if you, you know, sell shoes, the complementary content isn't just about shoes. It's about athleticism or, um, you know, something that ties into it without necessarily being right on the nose. Right. We, I think sometimes we forget, like if I'm selling content pieces or social media strategy and I only talk about Instagram all the time, there's more to it than that. Really, I'm also talking about messaging and branding and time management and that kind of thing. So consistency, collaborative, complementary, compelling. And yeah. that's the emotional or the information. Um, compelling is sometimes, and this goes back to all the why, and when I work with clients and, and when I have all my stuff together for these four C's, um, the intention is to think about your content and how to use it this way. But compelling is sometimes the, the why. Why are you sharing it? Sometimes it's to help, to inform, to educate. It's sometimes to evoke emotion. So, you know, we share, there's certain articles we share because we really feel something. And sometimes it's compelling because it's just funny. Again, it's that human element, right? That's why memes do so well on social media because they're funny. Right. And so when we, I look at the at content with those four C's in mind, because what happens often is um, bloggers and small business owners, when they, they come to me and they have questions about social media and they want, you know, what should I post on Instagram? 
uh, Instagram's been, you know, obviously the hot one lately mm -hmm. and, or what should I post on Facebook or, you know, I'm not connecting on Facebook. We actually have to go backwards usually a few steps before we even start talking about what all that looks like, because then I will ask questions about, you know, what are your goals and, or what's your message? You know, what are you trying to say? Mm -hmm. And what words would you use to say that? And then we start to pull out what all that content could look like using those crucial words. So it's helpful to have a list of really what's, what are your goals? What's the message you want to put out that will kind of get you to those goals? What are the words that are going to best convey that message? And then how can you kind of tie those in? to create content that's going to be compelling for your audience. Yeah. Cause if I said to you right now and, and people can stop this podcast after, you know, they've done listening and just jot down eight words or phrases that, that come to mind for your product or business and you write those down. And even if you had five, let's say, mm -hmm. and you look and then I say, okay, now go to your social media and go to your last blog post and go to your last newsletter. And how many times have you used all those words? And if you haven't used them at all, there's a disconnect, right? Right. Because how are you trying to say all these great things and this is your message and yet you're not sharing that on your content. And if you've only used them a couple times or if you've used something else more frequently, maybe you think your message is this, but you're actually, you know, evolving it over here into something else. And it's that clarity that's going to keep everything clear for your audience as well. I think sometimes when we try to do too much or we get too far off from those words or that message, all of a sudden our audience is confused. Like what, okay, wait, what are you doing? What is your message? And then they're sort of turned off by that because they're not sure what's going on. So sometimes that repetition of that message, it can feel redundant to us. Yes. <laughs> People who are listening who aren't seeing even a percentage of what we're putting out into the world, really, unless they're our number one fans, they're not seeing everything <laughs> we put out there. It's not redundant to them. It's clear for them. And so sticking to those words really gives your message that clarity that it needs. It, and sometimes it just brings us back to it. Because again, when we're feeling overwhelmed and we say, I don't know what to post, and then you turn and you look at you know, the, the four C's and you look at the words that you've written down, you say, okay, well, yes, I should be sharing that. I haven't really shared that method or information in a while. Uh, it's time to share it again and maybe update it. And maybe, you know, that's the other thing is we can take older stuff and update it. Right. After this, I'm going to get right off this podcast with you. I'm <laughs> totally going to make my word list. I want to make sure that my message is on track for 2020 because I think that is why sometimes I take a break from content because I am not sure what to say next, but that's not the answer. The answer is not more, more, more. It's going back to that why and thinking about what my audience is really asking for and how I can be consistent with that. I love the four C's, collaboration, consistency, complementary, and compelling. Awesome. I can't wait to make my list. I'm like going to get all over this. Before we stop our podcast, so before we go, there was one really important topic that you and I were talking about before we started that I want to touch on for all the moms out there. Uh, I love that we kind of share this value. We were talking about how your business can really begin to take over your life. And 
even though we may have started this business so that we could have more time with our kids and more quality time with family, sometimes it can feel like we have to take away time to make our business successful. And we were talking about the importance of being a mom first. So can you talk a little bit about your views on that? Happy to. Uh, I obviously started this business, like I said, as a mom blogger, and then it grew because I had the flexibility and then eventually the kids went to school. So I, I would eke out more hours. Uh, my kids are now 10 and 13. And my identity, I still feel like a stay at home mom often there in school full time. But I'm at pizza every Tuesday for my daughter's school. I'm on most field trips. I'm, you know, doing the parent council stuff. Those are the choices I'm making because going back to the goals, we set business goals. I set financial goals every quarter. I set business goals that I want to see, but my business goals also have a direct line into my personal goals. And so business growth and success for me goes back to what years ago I wanted my personal goals to be and had the availability to, to do and, and the flexibility because, you know, I wanted the business to grow, but at the same time, we had made decisions that I wanted to be with the kids. And so it doesn't mean all the time. And certainly now it's not, you know, like they're at the age where they're constantly in need, but it meant I wasn't traveling seven years ago, the same way I could travel now and say yes to things now. Um, and that's okay. And I think sometimes we watch others around us who are doing all these things. And we think, well, I could do that or I should do that. And why am I not doing that? And it's okay because then you go back and you say, well, that's not on my list of goals because that means I can't be here for that or, or it's too difficult. And so when the kids were toddlers and babies, no, I, I said no a lot more to things. And I did much more local and, and you know, even then I, it was like one night a week I can maybe say yeah. yes. And then other than that, no. Now it's so much easier. And so my growth point in the past 18 months has really been different. And it's because I knew clearly what my priorities were that I wanted for myself and not what other people wanted for me. So that is definitely, and I know it's hard because I want instant success sometimes too, right? I want it to be faster. And, but then I look and I'm not willing to put in that time or the extra. And now I have it. So I'm able to do it a bit differently and that's okay. It's all choice. Yeah. And where you are now is enough. And it's all of this. I'm just repeating this to myself because having two toddlers, I sometimes feel like what I'm doing is not enough, that I should be doing more, that I should be going to this conference or that or doing that thing. And it's like you, your business, like you said, you have growth points. It ebbs and flows. You're going to have times of growth and you're going to have times where you're going to sit back and kind of enjoy the fruits of your labor and just hang out with your family because that was your goal. That was part, those were part of your goal. So I think it's important to give ourselves the grace as moms to be moms and to let our business grow when we can and, and sit back and enjoy motherhood when we can as well. Uh, a few months ago, I posted on Instagram and I had a little template card and I just said, cause it's something I tell myself often, it's not that I need more, I need enough. And my enough is going to be very different than someone else's. And at some point, the more stops for me or it plateaus for a couple of years. And then it goes to a different level because something changes again. Um, and so I think we need to, to be gentle with ourselves sometimes. And I'll tell you, after 10 years of blogging and business and doing the mom thing, 
Um, I don't look back and think, I wish I'd gone to that workshop. Or, you know, I definitely look back and think, gosh, I do miss the days when we were doing crafts at 10 a.m., but now they're at school and it's so different. Um, so, it and vice versa, if you're able to commit that time and you want to commit that time and it energizes you and fulfills yeah. you, that's okay too. Because trust me, my kids aren't looking back going, you know, I remember every single moment you volunteered at the school. They don't at all, right? So it's always that quality. I always think they'll remember me like behind my laptop, but I've not, it's not that way. And it's when we talk a lot about this on the podcast too, this is for a lot of us, this is our self-care. This side hustle is not extra. It's something that's a creative outlet, but I think there's always that pressure to make it more, to be more, especially when it's a side hustle for you and it's, and it's full-time for someone else, or you're just comparing yeah. yourself all the time and you have that pressure. So it's okay to let it be your creative outlet when it can. And then other times to kind of sit back. It's okay. And that's why it's same with content. And that's why I say, you know, give yourself permission sometimes and it's just not going to be the go, go, go all the time. Yeah. You know, there's a bit of this pushback against, you know, having to always be on and I think that's okay too I'm a big fan of rest and downtime I'm very good at sitting on the couch with a book <laughs> even though I have deadlines I know I have to get stuff done but if I don't do that everything else topples yeah absolutely absolutely well, Rebecca, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I feel like all we were missing was the coffee today. It was a great <laughs> chat. Can you tell the listeners where they can find more about the four C's and more about content creation and what they should be putting out in the world to be kind of authentic? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Um, most people can find me at Bit of Mom Sense, which is basically all of my social accounts are at Bit of Mom Sense. Uh, BitofMomSense.com is my parenting blog, but more of the um, content stuff and newsletter sign up and whatnot, because I do send out actionable tips in my newsletter, is at www.RebeccaStanizic.com. Uh, which is currently getting an update. Hopefully by the time this airs, it's uh, looking better. And I talk about the four C's typically during my one-on-ones, but in my upcoming course training that I'm putting together and launching soon, it will be much more detailed and uh, I'm looking forward to being able to getting that out in the world. So I can't wait to see. I cannot wait. That is so great. Thank you so much for being on and I hope we can chat again soon and I will be on your Instagram watching your IGTV videos because they are my favorite. Excellent. Thank you so much. I hope you found that podcast useful. I know I am going off now to make my list of my words and to just make sure my content is consistent and then I'm talking about topics that are going to move my business forward. And I hope you do the same going into 2020 that you take some time to really sit down and make sure you're aligned with your why, what you're creating around your products and why you're doing it. So let's set our intentions for content for 2020. And I'll see you next week for another episode of Planathon. Got you.